Hi, and welcome to the Create Joy podcast, where we believe that we have the power to not only find meaning in life, but to create joy every day. Yes, even when life gets tough. But here's the thing. I am not the kind of person that joy comes naturally to. I have to work hard to find it. So join me as I explore how and where to find joy as I analyze experiences and ideas and talk to guests who help guide us in our process. I am excited for what we will learn together. I am your host, Katrina Gandara. Let's get started. Hi friends, thanks for hanging out with me. I know your time is limited and I am honored that you choose to spend it with me. So thank you so much for coming to hang out. Uh, Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that with this episode, I will be closing out season two of the podcast. And when I come back in a couple of weeks, things are probably going to look a little bit different as I try to reorganize some things a little bit to fit into our new home life with everyone home all the time. As you may may be aware, we are part of the hotspot in the United States, one of the hotspots um, with COVID-19 and things are still pretty tight. The way things are looking, my husband may be working remotely until at least the fall, which changes home dynamics and recording ability since he works in the room that I used to send my kids to when I needed to record and they were home. Uh, which wasn't always the case because they were at school. So I had plenty of time to record before without being asked lots of questions. But my kids do get out of school in a few weeks, which I'm hoping will give me more time to focus on this podcast since I won't be playing teacher. And I really love working on the podcast. So I'm really hoping that that's, that's the direction that that goes. Also, I still have some shuffling and settling to do while I adjust to our new normal, whatever that's going to be and however long that's going to be. But I really love this community, so I will continue uh, trying to find time to give my best efforts to these two things, my family and this work that I really care about so much. Um, So to get started, if social media is telling the truth, which it usually isn't, in this case I'm think that I'm right though. Most of the world has been spending a lot of time in the kitchen recently and a lot of that time has been spent on bread. Our house is no exception. It has been so much fun and sometimes a little frustrating as I teach my kids how to make bread and different kinds of bread and experimented. I've learned some new ones myself but in the process my son has come up with a unique yet actually effective way to knead bread. I'm gonna have to show you over on Instagram but basically it's by using bread as a punching bag (laughs) and I thought about fighting it at first and teaching him the correct way but then I decided it would be too much work at that moment and I didn't really feel like doing it Uh, so I let it go and surprisingly it works just as well as the conventional method but my burn off some extra energy and or frustration so there's if that's your takeaway for today uh, maybe use your bread as a punching bag and uh, that might that might help out. Um, But in all of this baking that I'm doing with my children, as children do, might often wonder why we add certain ingredients. So like, for example, if we're making uh, cake or cookies, then my kids will be like, ew, gross, why are we adding salt if it's sweet, right? So one day the question was, wait, why are we adding sugar if we're making bread? It's not a dessert. And of course, this is a very small amount of sugar. And I thought it was a great question. Instead of just answering it, um, 
I thought, you know, what the heck, let's, we have nowhere else to go. Let's do a science experiment of our own. So what we did was we gathered four bowls uh, to experiment with yeast proofing. We wanted a control bowl, so we followed the rules for one bowl. This is basically the water has to be between 100 and 110 degrees Fahrenheit. You add some yeast and you add a little bit of sugar or whatever kind of sweetener you're using. Could be honey. The other three bowls we did variations. So in one we used just like tap water as hot as, or I don't think it was even that hot, um, that we could get straight out of the faucet. Um, we used water at 180 degrees in another one, which was uh, much too hot and water at the right temperature, but we didn't add sugar. because so we wanted to see why, why we're adding the sugar. So as many of you probably already done this experiment or something similar, so you may already know what's gonna happen, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Uh, so I'm sure you know this, but the purpose of yeast in bread is to create a rice. Here's the science behind it. Basically, yeast is this living organism, which uh, probably probably don't want to think about too hard because that you're eating living things. <laughs> but it's dormant uh, before we're using it, right? So when the hot water is added to the yeast, the yeast basically wakes up. And when it is awake, it feeds off the sugars available. Um, and when this happens, it releases gases and chemicals such as ethanol or carbon dioxide. And then these gases is what creates more volume and gives height and this fluffy texture to the bread that we're looking for. So here's what happened in our bowls. After letting them sit covered for 10 minutes for the yeast to let the yeast activate, in the bowl that the water was too hot or too cold, it didn't really look like anything happened. Maybe a little bit happened, but not enough to make any bubbles at the top of the bowl. So there was no significant movement. There was no visible result in the tap water, so the yeast stayed at the bottom of the bowl and maybe only grew slightly. But then in the bowl where the water was too hot, it also showed no movement at the top. But there was a different reaction in the water and that the water was cloudy. So I don't know if that makes sense. At the bottom of the bowl, the yeast all stayed at the bottom. One kind of had clear water and the too hot one was cloudy. I think, I think we explained it. Okay, so then we have the bowls with the correct temperature of water, which is between 100 and 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, these both had positive results. So let's talk about the bowl, the right temperature of water, but no sugar. It did create some movement. About half of the surface had some foaming on it, which is what we want. That means that it's releasing those gases. Uh, not quite enough to get the bread as high as we would have liked, though, but it definitely would have added more than the other two. Um, then there's the, but the water um, with the right amount of heat and the sugar this one created this beautiful foam in the bowl with this little slight doming around it, meaning that it was excited and passionate about growing if, you know, this living organism had passion. Um, so this is the ideal to get a great rice. You want a lot of movement going on there. So I know you didn't come here for a science lesson. So let's talk about what this means to you. Um, I do think it's a great analogy for life. And here's why. So let's talk about our goals in life. As humans, we have this innate desire to become better, to rise, if you will, whether it is to become a better speaker, a better moneymaker, or maybe even just better at playing video games. Uh, we all want to be better at something. So in that sense, let's say 
that we're all the yeast. So I know I know that none of us wants to be a fungus because that's weird and kind of gross. But let's change it and say in the sense that we all want to grow. We want to become better ourselves and we want to be able to lift others. In this analogy, the water is the situations that we go through in life. Those things that wake us up and make us look at the world around us. We can't always choose these situations that we're going through and sometimes they're really painful and sometimes they really suck. But those situations are the things that are going to wake us up and remind us to reach higher and be stronger. Of course, there is a way we can kind of avoid these situations um, and I guess that would be the analogy of you know, the colder water, not quite to the to the hot temperature that wakes you up. Uh, to a certain extent, we can kind of avoid them. And that's just kind of to avoid life in general. It's not ideal and it's not a great idea. And it's honestly not really that possible. We're still going to have problems no matter what. Um, and but we're probably not going to grow a lot through them if we're not actively seeking for growth. Also, if you believe in a higher power, you probably believe that this higher power is in control and will give you, will not give you more than what you can handle. But whether we believe in this higher power or not, I do believe that no matter what we are going through, we will be able to make it out the other side and we will make it out the other side stronger and higher than before. I think that the situations that we're going to walk into naturally are going to be just the right temperature to help us grow. The problem arises in these situations that we naturally have while we're trying to grow is when we add fuel or heat to the fire. When we fight back against that growth, when we throw our adult tantrums, which I have definitely thrown a lot of in my life, we sit on the floor, we sulk, we refuse to grow. And when we create situations that just make this harder instead of, you know, trying to work through it appropriately. These situations, these reactions not only kill that growth, but it also makes foggy water. So this is a bad situation to be in. This is in no way going to make our lives better. This takes a bad situation and makes it worse. It might be wise when we're going through our own rising process to evaluate our own reactions and see if we are helping the growth or if we are limiting it with our own extra heat or fire that we're bringing to the process. I think that we're going to get better results if we give into that growth process while allowing our trials to come into our lives, but also not creating more problems within these trials. Going through trials is going to make us grow, become stronger, become wiser, become better. We are going to be able to learn from our mistakes and the mistakes of others and come out the other side with so much more enlightenment and strength to endure the next trial. The next trial. This is a great goal to reach for, but it can get better. Our rise can overflow. I don't know if we've seen that while you're proofing yeast. <laughs> the rise gets so big it literally cannot be held in the bowl and it starts flowing off the sides. It can help us to become not only better than we were, but also better than we ever thought possible. In order to reach that, we need that extra ingredient. So remember, the ultimate rise also had sugar. Remember that growth is going to happen in our trials if we let them. And that's amazing. 
But how do we add this sweetness to the process? How do we give our trials the right amount of nourishment to get that extra boost to create so many bubbles in our bowl of life that these trials ultimately bring joy into the picture? I think sugar is the sweet things that we choose to bring to the table in and through these trials, the connection, the spirituality, the education, the things that lift us and make us more connected with our inner being. We can endure these trials and we can endure them well, but to get the most growth out of these situations, we need to actively bring something positive into the situation. A lot of this can just be a positive attitude. This can go a very long way. I love stories, so I wanted to share a couple examples of women who used some of these principles to become a light uh, to the world. One of them is much more aspirational than the other, but I think they're both very valid and worth analyzing as we see which principles they chose to apply into their lives. So the first one's Frida Kahlo. Now, she might not be a shining light of positivity and optimism, but she is someone who achieved great things and also someone who went through a lot of hard things. She had this horrible accident. She had chronic physical illness, a turbulent marriage, and the heartbreak of three miscarriages. Her work, when you look at it, seems vulgar and shocking, but they were much more profound than they seemed. Also, when enduring her trials, she probably added a little extra heat to her life, but she did do some really cool things as well, in spite of or maybe maybe partly because of all these hard things that she went through. So when you look at Frida's artwork, it might make you feel uncomfortable because it is not your usual feel-good art. And it took a while it to, to grow on me. At first, I didn't like I rejected it emotionally. But as I kind of learned to see it more, what I noticed is that you see honesty in it. You see her raw feelings and you see her pain depicted alongside beauty in this real, raw, beautiful form. And it's really powerful. And I think the world has seen that as well. Her work has gone on to inspire so many people to do better and be better. Kahlo is an icon in art, life, and her works will be better understood once people dedicate their time to realizing the life and situations that inspired her to create these pieces. She's inspired so many people and has created a great legacy and has helped shine a light on Mexican artists. Having said that, the average of her life experiences may not be what we're looking to obtain in our own lives. I think we can definitely learn from her in how she focuses her feelings into creating something amazing, which I passionately believe that each and every one of us has a potential to achieve. So here we have a few elements that create a rise, right? She had these hard situations that she chose to do something positive with it not necessarily the outcome that all of us want though. So I did want to share another example and a more positive one this time. This one has a happier ending or at least present um, as someone who went through some really hard things, but went on to create great things while also becoming a light or a beacon to so many. She's an amazing example of optimism and maybe a little or a lot more aspirational than Frida's uh, overall emotional well-being. 
1954, a woman was born in rural Mississippi to a single mother on welfare. She was shuttled back and forth between her mother, father, and grandmother for many years. She lived in poverty during during these difficult years and suffered all kinds of abuses. So it was definitely not an ideal situation, and it had a lot of hot water. Something that could easily have stunted the growth of this little girl, and unfortunately is... Not a story that's not uncommon in America today. Something that I think would be beneficial for all of us to learn more about and create more empathy and awareness of. But that is a lot to go into that I, uh, for another time. So when living with her grandmother, she was, this little girl was beaten regularly. One time her grandmother punished her for putting her fingers in a bucket of water from that she had to get from the well, which I think we can all relate to because our kids do things like that all the time but her reaction was very harsh um she said she whipped me so badly that I had welts on my back and the welts would bleed then she said which then stained her good Sunday dress and then she got another whipping for getting blood on the dress but this same grandmother who abused her taught her to read before she was three And this little girl relied heavily on her faith. She was then able to use this talent or the skill that she had achieved that her grandmother had helped her achieve. And she would use it at church and she would help out and she would do things from the pulpit. And she received so much um, attention and reception from the congregation, the sense of approval that she received from them that she used and carried on uh, throughout her life and leaned on. So when she was six years old, she went and lived with her mother who neglected her and she suffered a lot of abuse while living with her, including many cases of sexual assault from relatives and friends of her mother's, including her mother's own boyfriend. When she was 14 years old, she moved in with her father who made education a priority. She said, my father turned my life around by insisting that I be more than I was. His love of learning showed me the way. Under his care and with his guidance, this girl began to excel at school and follow her passions, including taking a job as a talk show host, which quickly became the highest rated talk show in Chicago, ultimately being renamed after her to the Oprah Winfrey Show. Oprah has since built an empire. She has become one of the most influential people and the first African-American billionaire. She is a light to the world and a great example of perseverance and positivity. I think we can all agree that Oprah has done something, some really amazing things for herself and for the world. And I think a lot of what she has become is thanks to the refining or the hot water that she has experienced throughout her own life. But what she added to this was sweetness. She added the lessons learned from her grandmother through faith and reading, even though she also received some really hard things from her at the same time. This contrast is so mind-blowing to me and something that I think all of us may experience to different degrees in our own relationships, but she was able to take this sweetness from those situations and learn and grow from them to help her rise, as well as learning from these later experiences in her life. I think the reason why Oprah has been able to become who she has become is because she learned to apply this formula in her life to take the hot water, not add too much extra heat 
but find ways to add sweetness to it. In her own words, in an interview with David Letterman, she said, I am so grateful for my years literally living in poverty because it makes the experience of creating success and building success that much more rewarding. Now, applying these principles may not make us all billionaires or give us the huge platform that Oprah has, but it can help us to create joy just like Oprah has, and it can help us to create a beautiful impact in our own areas of influence in our lives. And that is my greatest dream for this community. All of us are going to be faced with trials. That's inevitable. But if we can remember to use those trials to wake us up, both to the problems around us and to the areas of growth that we can experience in our own lives, if we can limit our own desires to add extra problems into the mix and instead find ways to add sweetness to the situation, I am positive that we will be able to rise higher than we ever thought possible. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sticking with me as we have all navigated this world of COVID. I still can't grasp the magnitude of an entire world enduring the same trial together. In my opinion, that is so much more powerful than watching a marathon, which always makes me emotional for some reason. Just the magnitude of so many people working together um, at the same time and all the work that goes into that and all the stories underneath all of the hard work and this is something that as a world we've gone through together and we continue to go through and it's just it's very powerful um i am looking forward to reconnecting with you in season three of the podcast i have some really great things planned and i can't wait to share them with you until then don't be a stranger i'll be hanging out over on instagram at create joy podcast so let's go hang out there Until next time, let's create a little joy today.